What does it mean to be holy as he is holy? We're going to talk about that today on the Midweek Move. everyone welcome to the midweek move i am scott and once again i am joined by dallas and uh listen we are super excited about the first of this year and being able to jump into uh, these letters or epistles of peter um and so for the last two weeks we had an overview and last week we kind of dove in first 12 verses of first peter chapter one today we're going to be verses about 13 through 25 and uh, we're going to land it in that uh, man so much amazing stuff especially about jews who had who had given their life to christ right not in a comfortable setting, being dispersed all over. Peter's reminding them of promises that were given to their forefathers right. that they were actually walking in, that their forefathers never, and even the greatest prophets that they'd ever heard didn't even get to see these promises. Exactly. They're walking in those promises, <laughs> even though they're going through trials, even though they're going through the fire, but they're fulfilling prophecies yeah. over their people. And yet many of them have had to leave their families They've had to root up everything. They've lost their homes. They're in the midst of pagan cultures. They're surrounded by darkness. And yet these, these some of them, very new believers. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of that, a little bit of that bondage of, of uh, what comes with the law and all of the burdens of that, but now uh, functioning in Jesus Christ is Messiah. That brings a whole other level of trial and tribulation from them, even from their own families, yeah. as we discussed last week. And so this week, we're going to uh, dive in a little bit deeper to what uh, Peter is kind of imparting to them. Dallas, you have any thoughts as we kind of dive into this? Yeah, uh, just before we dive into I want to I want to point this out to you guys. Uh, we got deep into a lot of stuff last week. Uh, so much so even when we were done, our, our, our producer, Rick, over here <laughs> was like... Wow, like he like he was going. I I thought this was gonna be longer, which is that for a little bit. If you guys have questions, reach out to us, please. Yeah, yeah, Media yeah. Hub at com. We'll be happy to answer questions and dive a little bit deeper with you guys if you need some clarification on stuff. Um, this is not we're not shying away. Like we're we're going at this. This is the reason why these episodes are are we're kind of less bit less chunks, if you will, that we had time to breathe and and really dive into it. There's but, a place for ankle deep. We're just not there right, right. now. We are <laughs> we are going in deep. And we're not going, we're not going, sometimes I even have a problem with that word where people are like, hey, it's not deep enough for me. And yeah, really yeah. what they're saying is, is that it's not intellectual enough for them mm -hmm. because I know a lot of people who, who can take just a verse of scripture and it have immense revelation for them and they are going deep. Yes. And they maybe didn't read five chapters of the Bible and go back to the <laughs> Council of Nicaea and go back to and know all the terminology, but they're in the deep waters. Right. So just because we can be high-minded and have all these big terms doesn't mean we're deep. Right. That can actually mean that we're just intellectual and very shallow. Yeah. Um, and hiding and, the... the <laughs> yeah, because what we want to make sure that we're doing is we want to be true to the text. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, we want to be fully aware of what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us of how this apply, how does this apply to our lives right now? Right. And so we don't want to just 
leave it in a historical perspective because the word of God is living and active. It's not dead mm -hmm. with an apostle. Right. It's not dead with a prophet. It's living and active and it's valuable and valid for our lives right now. Absolutely. And so uh, we want to be true to that. All right. So let's go. Verse 13, we have, we left off in verse 12, which was, um, you know, going back to, hey, here's, Here's how you receive the good news through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those that were filled with the Holy Spirit preached the good news everywhere. Right. You guys heard it as Jews. You accepted Christ as Savior and Messiah of your life. Now you've been dispersed all over, and uh, God has God has a promise for you. You're going through it. You're going through hard times, but the Lord's promises are yes and amen. In Christ, they're yes and amen. Verse 13, therefore, aha, here's a word that you don't hear very often. Therefore, gird up your loins. Can I just say, I love saying that right now. <laughs> Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say something that has nothing to do with the text. It's probably not even super spiritual. <laughs> But, but it's deep. you got to be careful when you just open up the Bible and point to a scripture because <laughs> you're never sure what you, you may be at the girding your loin right. verse. <laughs> and that may be a little hard to stomach. I remember a comedian saying that, you know, he was backstage after a show or something and people were lined up and they were, you know, it was the VIP thing. And, and, um, uh, a, a lady came up and she was like, Oh, what is your favorite scripture? Put that on there when you sign the thing. And he didn't know, so he just puts a scripture. And he's like, man, we get done with the show, and I'm like, what scripture did I just write down on like 100 photos? He goes back and reads it, and it's like, lo, I have a painful disease in my loins. It's like, what just happened? All these pictures, man, these people are going to be like, what's his verse? Oh, let's look it up. Oh, it's like, this is why you check the verses that you're quoting. That has nothing to do with a move or a moment or anything, but you do have to be careful when you just point at a scripture because it may be a gird up the loins scripture, Woo. but it says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That seems very interesting to me, Dallas, because when you when you think of the terminology girding up your loins, that isn't in your mind. It's not on your head. Right. It's it's in your midsection. Right. It is is a place that that when it uses the word loins, it's not just talking about your midsection, but it's speaking of the deeper things, mm -hmm. the deeper places. And I think it's interesting that it uses that terminology with of your mind. Right. Be sober and rest your hope. Again, he he's using that word hope a lot fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So kind of walk us through this verse right here. Yeah. So first off, the term gird up your loins, that's again, it's an interesting term. It's up. It's a phrase that we don't know. We don't understand that saying girding up your loins is a matter of basically because dudes were basically, um, I'm not sure what, what to call it, but it's like a row basically. And they would basically tie it off underneath them, girding up their loins so that they could be prepared for action so they can move so that they can, yep. They can fight. They can do what they need to do. So taking that back and down, he's really saying prepare your minds for action. Yep. So therefore, therefore keeping in the mindset of, you know, the, you know, you're walking in this hope that, you know, the prophets have wanted, you're walking in this hope that the, that the, uh, the, the angels had, had wished they could walk in, prepare your mind 
for action. Be prepare your mind to to walk in this stuff before you get to the place, before you get to the trial. Exactly. Prepare yourself. It's it's just like everybody who says, "Hey, we got time. We got time. We got time." Jesus comes back. I'll be able to do this. Listen, if you can't live for Jesus in the midst of being in a, a an atmosphere of the presence of God, if you can't worship on a Sunday morning in a church in freedom, it's going to be hard for you to do it. Mm-hmm. In that moment. Exactly. Where it's deny Jesus or die. Right. Like many people think, oh, I'm just going to be able to just handle that. I'm just going to be able to say, yeah, no, 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 no. You you better be prepared for those moments. Right. And again, these people had been through trial, but they were about to go into some more. Exactly. And even deeper in a in a persecution mindset. Yeah. I, I This is just to kind of illustrate this point. Um Matt, he's our one of our associate pastors here, uh, military trained Marine, uh, combat sniper. There's all kinds of, of stories that we have about him, whether or not they're true or not, the Holy Spirit knows. Uh, <laughs> but he talks about how he prepares his fa- he has prepared his family for emergencies. He, him and his family have run drills about not just fire drills, but just, you know, there's an emergency, something's happening, how to protect your mom, how we're going to do this. And he does that in the safe times because he needs to know his family is safe in emergency. Yep. And so, and some people will say, oh, that's crazy. That's this, that's that. Why do we, why do we think it's not crazy then for like a football team to prepare for a game? Exactly. Why do we, you know, preparation, if there's no preparation, when you come to the moment, it's going to be hard to do what you need to do. Exactly. Because fear comes, anxiety comes, a quickening comes. Mm-hmm. And when that quickening comes, if your mind isn't ready, right, then all of a sudden chaos and confusion is there and you don't know what to do. Why do some people freeze in situations like that? Because they haven't prepared exactly. for those moments. And on top of that, they're not walking in peace. One of the interesting things about Matt is he seems to always walk in peace no matter what's going on. And you ask him why, it's because I'm already prepared. I right. know what I'm going to do. So I can walk in peace before the situation happens and when the situation takes place. So Peter's telling him, prepare your mind, challenge yourself, strengthen your mindset on the things of God. Like you said, worship today while you can. Yep, Come on down right. to the church house, worship with people. That's right. You know, get past your social anxiety, come be part of the body of Christ. That's right. Communicate with people, learn to pray. And learn- by the way, if you don't think that people weren't socially uh, anxious in those days, you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. There's nothing that we're going through today that is new. There's nothing new under the sun. Anxiety, fear, doubt, all those things have been around forever. Exactly. Since humankind has existed, it's been there. It may have manifested a different way, but it has been here all along. Exactly. And so he's saying prepare your mind for that, but also be sober-minded. Actually avoid things that hinder our minds from thinking appropriately. I love that terminology, Mm sober-minded, sober-minded. Do not allow things that will not only hinder your mind, but cloud your mind. Yeah. Because when it clouds, then your judgment is clouded and your response time Mm -hmm. is clouded. It's delayed. Right. So many people are like, well, I can do this and it's fine and I can get away with this. And man, we got so many things going on in our culture right now that are actually being prescribed by doctors that are numbing people's minds. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why do we have so many car accidents? Why do we have so many of this? Why do we have so much of this? Right. Because when we allow our minds to be clouded by anything, yeah, 
it doesn't have to be a substance. It can be anything. It yeah. can be that which we watch mm-hmm. or we take in mm-hmm. or we're a part of. Right. That can actively get we can have a drunken mindset without taking one sip of alcohol. Absolutely. Because anything that stupors us, anything that clouds us, it keeps us from being sober-minded. When you're sober-minded, you're alert. Mm. You know what's happening. You know what's going on. And so I I love the terminology that he uses here. Prepare your mind, be sober-minded, and then he brings up again, set your hope. Yeah, set it up in, in the grace provided by the revelation of Jesus. Which is huge. Because they're Jews. Exactly. <laughs> Again, it keeps going back to that. It's been provided to you because you had a revelation of Jesus. Right. Yeshua HaMashiach, right? Right. All right. Verse 14, as um, brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written. Now he takes them back to the Old Testament. Be holy, for I am holy. Right. So as a result of us taking these actions of, of preparing our minds, being sober-minded, setting our hope in, on the grace that was provided by the revelation of Jesus, we are taking, as we take these actions, we begin to operate in a certain way. We need to uh, learn to control ourselves. Self-control. Control our desires. Control our, our our actions, control our mindsets, the, what we think on, what we don't think on. Um, the because way, the enemy says, whatever you feel, do it. Exactly. Or whatever you feel, be it. Yeah. Identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and and Peter is, man, the Holy Spirit is using this guy to reveal things that not just these people as individuals, but a whole people group mm-hmm. have suffered with for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Because he's not just speaking to Christian Jews, but he's almost speaking and prophesying to everyone who came before them and all the things that were laid upon generation to generation. Yes, they wrote the law in their heart. Yes, they passed it on from generation to generation. But those things were also added to, you know, there's not just once once you get to one part of that, it's not just 10 commandments, but it's 633 laws yeah. plus another. I forget the number. I used to have the number, but it was another I forget another, it was a few hundred more that were added by rabbis over the centuries. And so now it's like, Oh, you got to keep up with all these different things. You can't carry that. No, you can't. Exactly. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. Exactly. I want to point this out. This is what the be holy as I am holy. There's a, when you talk to people and no matter if you come some people, no matter they, how they take correction, sometimes they just get offended and they pop up this phrase of, well, nobody's perfect. No, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we are called to be holy as Christ is holy. Yep. And part of being holy is being actively seeking Christ, growing in that. I don't expect people to be holy. I don't. But I expect us to constantly be working to be what Christ called us to be. To constantly go, okay, this is not an aspect of, of that expresses Christ. And we're not talking about just like the quote unquote, the big sins, you know, alcoholism, uh, pornography, whatever. I'm talking about your mindset, yep. the way you talk to people, the way that you treat people. Does that fall in line with Christ? The way you treat your wife, the way you talk to your children. Yep. I expect people to constantly work at going, all right, how today can I be more Christ-like than I was yesterday? And that's what Peter's calling these people to do. Not to be perfect, but to be more like Christ. 
And you cannot do that on your own. Yes. You have to have the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. That's why it's called the Holy Spirit. Exactly. How can we be holy? The Holy Spirit. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? Go to the cross, go through the resurrection, <laughs> like old things die. We give him filthy rags. Mm. And what does he give us? Riches. Robes of righteousness, right? <laughs> he gives us a robe. That, that is a totally unfair trade. Yeah. We give him our filthy rags, our sinfulness, our, our broken down humanity, and he gives us robes of righteousness. And it doesn't mean that there's a fullness in that. It means that in our hearts, we have been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven of our sins. Mm-hmm. And now we, we are walking out and we are being sanctified, being, right? Mm-hmm. We are saved. We are being saved. What does that mean? That means we are being prepared for a day mm-hmm. when corruption will take on the incorruptible. Exactly. We are being prepared for that day. I I will not see him as he fully is until that day. Exactly. I have encountered him and experienced him. I've not seen him visually. I have not seen Jesus. That's what Peter was also telling them. Mm-hmm. You have not seen him, but you have believed. Right. And and there will be a day I will see him as he is. Right. I will not be looking through a mirror dimly. I will see him and I will see myself as I am and not just a reflection of him, but I shall be like him in all things. I'm not asking Paul what he was doing when he was here on earth. I'm not asking Peter what he was doing. I'm not looking for Abraham, Moses, Noah, or any of those people. I'm already going to know all that. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to do is be in the glory where there's no sunshine because the glory of God will illuminate it all. That is a process now right. in this wilderness right. that we are walking. Absolutely, We are between Egypt and and the promised land, <laughs> if you put it right here on earth right now. Exactly. And we are pilgrims walking in a foreign land. We are strangers. We are aliens. We are pilgrims walking through this wilderness called earth to a time when we will cross over an eternal Jordan into a promised right. land to an inheritance that's not to 12 tribes, but it's an eternal heritage. Absolutely. I'm going to add one last thing to this. Those who are walking in this appropriately should be the most humble people you meet at the same time. This should not be a process that puffs people up right. with their their holiness and their theological uh, prowess. This should be a humbling process for us. Yep. Not saying that we all mumbling, oh, I'm just terrible. No, it's not that, but it that's should be. That's not humility. That's not humility. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just, I don't know, Eeyore's it's, it's, uh, syndrome. But we need to be walking in grace and humbleness with for each other as we walk through this too. All right, verse 17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, that could be misconstrued somewhat. Yeah. So here, Peter, he's reminding the readers that while God is a loving God, he loves them dearly. He's also a righteous judge. I think that's one of the aspects, that's one of the the missteps of the modern church is we focus on one aspect of God and we forget the other ones or we're like, oh yeah, this is, but we don't. We don't recognize it. And he'd say, look, God's loving, he's caring, and he's going to take care of you, and he's given you all these things. He's replaced your rags with riches, but he's a righteous judge. And I would even say in the modern church, we need to remove even that word but, mm. that because God is a loving God, he's a just God. That's a good point. And so sometimes we take his love and judgment and we separate them, but mm-hmm. it's because he is a loving God, mm-hmm. that there has to be justice. That's a good point. Because he's a loving God. Right. It's not, man, God is so loving and kind and da-da-da-da-da, but, or it's, you know, what we see today 
is not a holy fear of the Lord, but it's a fear that's been instilled by man. Mm, that's a good point. So you got this camp. Yeah. And then you got this camp that's like, oh, God would never do that. And God, mm. Listen, if you say that he's a loving father, then you can't deny he's got to do that. Yeah. There has to be justice. Absolutely. Because he's a just God. Right. And therein, he's a loving God. Right. You know, for some of us, we were saved from the fire. Mm -hmm. We were snatched. Yeah. We were rebuked openly. We were exposed openly and publicly before people we didn't even know. Mm -hmm. For others, it happened quietly and yeah. silently in our house by ourselves, and we gave our life to Jesus, and it's been wonderful ever since. Right. But for me, it had to be public. For me, it had to be the way it was, a violent conversion. Mm -hmm. I had lived that way. That's the way it had to be. If it would have been some fluffy little whatever, I'd mm -hmm. have been like, no way, man. That's not, <laughs> that's not any different than anything else around me. Right. But it was radical. And so for us to kind of put this into almost that whole, hey, you're a spirit camp. Hey, you're a word camp. It's, it's right. both and. Exactly. God is loving and kind. Right. And because he's loving and kind, then he leads me to repentance. Right. Like, and that sounds heavy, but it's not. It's the most freeing thing in the world. Yeah that a loving, kind God would give you the opportunity to repent mm. that doesn't always feel loving and kind. Right. Because your flesh is dying. And when your flesh dies, it doesn't feel good. Right. But when your spirit comes alive, it is good. Exactly. And so that word fear, though, that aspect, it's not like, oh, I'm scared. It's, nope. it's, a, it's an awe. It's a reverence. It's an understanding of this is who this person is in my life. This is my God. Yep. This is my and creator. That he is, although he's a wonderful, beautiful, personal savior, he is an expansive, beyond my imagination God mm -hmm. who does things above anything I could ask or think or imagine. Right. He's so much bigger. Right. And because of that, I should be in awe right. of him. We should not have such a familiarity with God that he just becomes a guy that's there with us. Yeah, I... And listen, if you do this, please don't take this the wrong way. But, you know, this whole mindset, especially probably in the last 15 years of Papa God. Yeah. That leans so much. Yes, he's Abba Father. But he chastens those that he loves. Mm -hmm. He corrects. He disciplines those that he loves. Yeah. Listen, if you're not allowing God to discipline you and correct you, then that is not God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is a God that you have created maybe in your own image. Mm. And sometimes we get this whole thing of, we almost do that without knowing we're doing it. We've created God in our own image, mm. and we see him as a man. Right. And then we start looking at people here, and we're putting it up there. Oh, my dad was this to me and this to me, so I'm going to put that up, and that's who God is. Wrong answer. Yeah. We're supposed to see everybody through his lens, not the opposite. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, then that takes away offense and bitterness and anger towards somebody else because now I see them the way that God sees them, and just as I see myself as created in the image of God. Mm. And I think that sometimes that whole mindset of, oh, he's, he's, he's so cuddly <laughs> and he's, so, he's not a stuffed animal. No. Like, he is the Lord God Almighty. Right. And in that, he is a loving father. Yeah. And in that, he is kind yeah. and generous and compassionate. And all of those things, he is merciful. Mm -hmm. Because although justice has to happen, 
He is merciful to be patient with us. Right. And I'm thankful for that. Right. Man, that was, dude, that was a theological. <laughs> just one verse, y'all. Yeah. One verse. <laughs> All right, let's do verse 18 and 19. Um, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, and again, we've talked about corruption and incorruptible, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Here it comes. Mm -hmm. He's going back again and going, listen, this is what's been passed down from your fathers, and it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's traditions of your fathers. Right. Uh, but with the precious blood of Jesus, taking them back to Christ, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And again, these are Jews, so they're going to know exactly what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he's reminding them that they're free from sin. They've been ransomed from it. When he uses the terminology lamb, they know exactly what they're talking about. When he's talking about the traditions of their forefathers, they know exactly what that's talking about. Right. And, um, and so basically he's taking them to a place of freedom with responsibility. Yeah. All right, verse 20, he indeed, here's another one of those words, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him, speaking of Jesus, believe in God, uh, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Right. So this word foreordained, um, it, it's an older term, and I feel like it's for people today, especially when they're coming from a, a very specific theological mindset, they're, they're breeding into preordained, and that's not it. A, a better way of, of translating that word today is foreknown, and meaning God had a plan for redemption for mankind before the foundation of earth. Yeah. God knew what was going to happen. God wasn't shocked when Adam and Eve were, were hiding from him in the garden. He wasn't surprised by that. The where are you was not for God's benefit. It right. was for Adam's. Exactly. It was to expose the motives of his own heart and the knowledge that God had given them something so perfect, and now it was gone. Where are you, Adam? God knew exactly where he was. Exactly. How many times has God done that? Hey, where are you? Yeah. It's like, okay, God, you know exactly where I am, and I feel horrible. Exactly. Right? <laughs> because you're asking me, where am I? Just like when the Lord went to Elijah and he's in the cave. Yeah. What are you doing here? God knew exactly why he was doing it. Yeah. But it wasn't for God's benefit. It was for Elijah's benefit to bring him back to God. Exactly. God reminds us of things, not for his benefit, mm. but for us to bring us back to him. Right. So he knew it was going to happen, and yet he made a plan. He made a plan for us. This is part of that whole aspect of him being just but merciful. Yep. He knew what we were going to do, but he's made a plan from the foundation. He goes, I knew you were going to mess up. Yep. Here's how you can have hope restored, how you can have redemption for your lives and your family. And verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, there's those words again, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Yeah. So here, Peter's point out, he's like, look, you, you have this incorruptible thing, this incorruptible, pure, beautiful thing known as salvation, and you're born again, meaning you're new. You don't have to live by the same standard as you did before. You don't have to live in the same way that you did before with everyone else. With this, it's time to us to walk in obedience and to, and to um, really show love and grace for each other. And so then we'll land it here. It says, um, 
through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, verse 24, because, and here's the quotation, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flowers falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by the gospel uh, that was preached to you. Right. So he's wrapping this up by pointing them again back to the Old Testament. That's the beautiful thing about the entirety of the scriptures is the Old Testament testifies in the New Testament and it, it yep. speaks to us. But he wraps it up by pointing out God's words remain forever. It's not going to fade. This word that we just went through today was written hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, to a people who were going through trials and tribulations. And they're still there for us today. Uh, there's something for us to walk in that should spur us to love and to good works. Yep. All right. Any last thoughts, Dallas? Yeah. I just, I want to take us back to the beginning and I want to challenge every one of us. Have you been preparing your mind to action? Have you, are you remaining sober minded? Have you set your hope in the grace that is provided by the revelation of Jesus? If not work on it, like pick one of those three, like literally go, all right, which one of these three things have I not been walking in? And then create a plan of action of, of walking, of preparing your mind, being sober-minded, doing these things. If you need help, reach out to us. Mediahub at thbreachreport.com. We're not here just to throw information out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we want to help you make your move. Yep. We want to help you be what God's created you to be, to know what God is saying, to do what he's called you to do. But you, you got to tell us first. <laughs> That's right. All right. What an awesome uh uh, what an awesome just entry point into these epistles. And again, there's so much depth here. Just so, so, so very much. We can't cover it all. I mean, we couldn't cover just a few verses in, in the time that we need to. So uh, hopefully this has encouraged you. Hopefully it's challenged you and set you on a path to be able to grow in Jesus today. So uh, I'm Scott. He's Dallas. This is the Midweek Move. We love you guys and be blessed.